Okay. Well, here we are talking about coaching and psychedelics uh, with our special guest, Shiri Godazi. Hello. Hello. Always great to, uh, to meet people like you guys. <laughs> Wonderful. And as always, I'm here with Heather. Uh, Heather, hey, how are you doing? Thank you. Good. Thank you so much for joining us, Shiri. Excited to talk to you. And hi, Yannick. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. I've been excited about this conversation for some time and uh, not uh, uh, by the least since we last talked, Shiri, because we were both uh, on a panel recently and uh, started to uh, to talk already about coaching and psychedelics and the, you know, where's the line to therapy and is there one? And uh, there was so much more that we could have talked about. Um, so I'm, I'm excited for this and to dig a little deeper uh, into the technicalities of coaching and then also um, some of the developments that you've got going uh, with where you've taken the coaching skills in order to support people in the psychedelic space or how you use the psychedelic space to support people. Um, I think it works yeah. both ways. But, yes, um, absolutely. Before, uh, like when people ask you like at a dinner party sort of thing, um, you know, what do you, what do you do? What do you, what do you say? Yeah. Uh, the elevator pitch, right? Uh, so I, it, it, first of all, it does depend on the person uh, that I'm speaking with. Um, however, I typically uh, call myself a, a psychedelic positive uh, integration coach, a visionary entrepreneur, uh, a creator, an artist, and a mother. Um, I'm a big fan of self-shamanism and my purpose and the reason that I do everything I do is to help people remember that they are very powerful creators and are here to help heal themselves and heal the planet and help all of us ascend to higher consciousness. Uh, so I'm an igniter of consciousness, I'm a community activist, and I am a designer of social change. <laughs> an igniter of consciousness. Yes. Wow. <laughs> Can you tell us a bit more yeah. about that? Yeah. Well, in layman terms, it also means that I'm a seven-time entrepreneur. I think a lot of people are kind of interested in that aspect, uh, meaning that I have created seven, uh, actually eight businesses. Uh, five of them are psychedelic businesses and organizations. Um, all of them are a product of my own integration work as a person that uses psychedelics. Um, and, and yeah, and I, I'm here to help people understand that we're here to live a life of abundance. And currently in the Western world, abundance uh, largely comes through the way that we're able to sustain ourselves through our uh, work and businesses. And there are ways to currently engage with business that are very spiritually aligned. Um, I know that some people cringe when they may hear the word business and psychedelics, like how does that even work together? And I'm really excited to dig into this topic. I feel like it's really important. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so how do we merge the idea of all these ancient teachings and sacred wisdom with the Western world that we're living in that is uh, largely capitalist? There's a lot of shadow going on, a lot of underserved communities and all just you know, let's like be straight here. There's a lot of bullshit happening on the planet right now um, that uh, is is calling to be rectified. Um, so I recognize that I have a talent for making money and I want to teach people to use their talents as well, to use that their talents for creating social change that is positive uh, and can uh, bring to the earth uh, the heaven that we know that it's meant to be and the justice and the equality uh, and the privilege uh, to be spread among all people and not just a very mm. small marginalized group of people. Yeah, thank like you. 
really losing your talents to be able to, you know, make money and support yourself, but also really do something to help everybody. Money right, is like an avenue. Yeah. It's an avenue. And, you know, people that have money, as you all know, by you know, very recently, we had a, uh, the CEO of a very certain company fly to space and utilize millions and millions of, I don't know, maybe billions of dollars uh, for a day trip. Um, when, you know, a lot of us were laughing that man only needed was like a 10, like $10 worth of mushrooms. And he would have probably gotten a lot further <laughs> to where he actually got. Um, but how about, you know, like if, if money equals power in today's world, and it is, it does equal power. Um, I do believe that the power is currently in the, the wrong hands. Like what if all that money was in the hands of people that actually care to make a change in the world and would have funneled this energy towards, again, like underserved communities, mm. people that have nothing to eat, people that are to end the drug war, to get people out of jail, to help brown people and black people rise out of poverty, give them education, give them resources. So I do believe that, uh, again, we have a responsibility as conscious people to do everything we can to, uh, and it's our responsibility to help make that happen. So right. uh, I just, yeah. Uh, this, is, this is amazing. I'd love to take us one step back though. Not really, because yeah. I do want to take two steps forward on this, but like um, <laughs> when we started talking, um, the topic was around therapy and coaching. Uh, one of our yeah. first questions we always ask is how do psychedelics and coaching work together? What I see a lot out there in the psychedelic space at the moment with coaches who work in the space, often it's almost used interchangeably, uh, healing and coaching. And uh, so the boundaries to therapy are very, very blurred. And I'm, mm -hmm. I'm personally quite concerned about that because I, I think a lot of coaches might really be overstepping their competency. Um, mm -hmm. Where I see coaching fit into that is exactly what we are talking about, you know, moving people forward, creating something, not necessarily not healing and fixing, which, you know, might be a byproduct of that kind of work. Mm -hmm. But I think the, the starting point for coaching tends to be how can I learn how can I grow? How can I use this to gain insights and develop something and create something, which seems mm -hmm. to be what you're talking about. So I, but I also know you've been working in that space with people, you know, that were healing from, from, uh, you know, uh, conditions they were suffering with, uh, whether that's life or whether that's, you know, medical conditions. So I'm, uh, could you talk into that space and kind of your journey from uh, working with people kind of trying to alleviate their suffering to helping people grow and develop business. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, so my, my first and primary interest in psychedelics, as a lot of other people that are stepping into the space is again, to help people remember. Uh, some people call it healing. Some people call it um, a uh, resurgence, or again, I use the word remember because it's really just a journey of, of discovering who you already are. Um, the word healing is very popular right now. It's trendy. Uh, doing the work has become like a slogan that uh, I almost feel like has kind of been ingrained in, like systematically uh, almost to keep us at that space of illness and sickness. Um, so I have a big interest in changing that narrative that we're not, we're already perfect. We don't need to be healed, but okay. Let's say that some people think they need to be healed. No worries. So I intentionally, um, when I got into this work, I also wanted to help people heal. My interest was to become a psychedelic therapist. Um, I, when I realized that this was my path, I immediately went to, uh, got back into school, studied, uh, got my master's in spiritual psychology, spiritual in-depth psychology. 
uh, specializing in psychedelic integration therapy, which I was able to do uh, with the help of uh, the school that I attended, Antioch University in Los Angeles, which at the time had um, a, a, a breakthrough program that allowed people to design their own uh, master's degree. Mm-hmm. And so I started off with the idea that I did want to sit in the room and be a therapist, right? As mm-hmm. people are undergoing these experiences. Um, along the journey, you know, the more that I got into the community, I became an activist, uh, started our groups in Los Angeles, psychedelia integration and inner space integration, um, and, and started attending conferences and learned about integration for the first time. But actually, you know, there are people that have been doing psychedelic therapy for a long time. It's been in the underground for decades, right? But integration is uh, a concept that um, is very new. This was back in 2015. Um, And we need resources right now. There aren't any people that are really providing this really important step. I learned this, by the way, from an amazing uh, instructor at CIIS called Dr. Susanna Bustos um, and that conference that I attended back in 2015. Uh, so when I heard the word integration, I immediately knew that I needed to focus on that because mm-hmm. there was nothing available at the time. And I was really interested in providing a solution uh, to that problem. So this is really the journey of any entrepreneur, even though I, I did not at all see myself as an entrepreneur back then in any way, shape or form. Um, I just heard that there was a service that needed to be created and out of my, my desire to serve, I wanted to focus on that, on offering that service. Um, and then, of course, I became a coach along the way because at the time, uh, as I was getting my degree, I still wasn't licensed. And I'm not licensed to this day, by the way. I just decided to drop the, the, the desire to get clinically licensed. Um, I actually did see that um, not just my strength and my passions in helping people grow as opposed to that that healing work that you were talking about, but mm-hmm. you know, to help them um, tr- help them expedite their journey and move forward, as opposed to go to backwards and you know um, uh, do that digging healing work, but also from a place of I was listening to what my clients were asking of me. So I noticed that a lot of people that were coming into this newly created space of integration. They were hesitant. They had uh, they had fears of being diagnosed. They were afraid that you know maybe this therapist will you know turn you know label them with some type of a mental illness label. Um, and um, basically, I saw that they were really looking for an alliance with someone who was more like a peer, someone who was more uh, like a cheerleader, someone who was walking the same path. But there is no difference almost in power power dynamic, at least not the one that the therapeutic container can provide for some people Uh, or like um, I shouldn't say provides, but um, um, some people do feel that they're they're not equals in that therapeutic. Yeah, you want to be met at eye level. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've always hated Um, that about therapy. Mm -hmm. Relatable. Exactly. So that's 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 exactly the word. Um, so when, you know, the more that I kind of observe, observe that from the community, I just realized that this is like, I want to be, I want to be that and not this. And, and also just me being like, I've always been more like an alternative underground type of person. And, 
again, like a trickster type of person and um, um, not really going with like the, the systemized, colonialized way. I wanted to, to just be the grassroots kind of mm-hmm. energy. And so the coaching appeared appealed to me more. Yeah. It's a shame that, uh, just to throw that in, um, I, I do yeah. uh, want to hear you talk about that, but it's, I think it's just a shame that therapy still has that. So many therapists still seem to be relating to their clients or to their patients. You know, the, the, the mere word is already a, a power dynamic, creates yeah. a power dynamic. Um, because the, the therapy that I really like, that I really respect, they meet their mm-hmm. clients at eye level. You know, I'm a yeah. fellow human being first and foremost, and we're being here together and we're, we're both trying to figure something out. It's just the focus yeah. is on you. Um, I, yeah. I think that kind of relationship, uh, building that, whether that's in coaching or in therapy or in anything else really, is such a powerful yeah. way of being with somebody else. I think that's the core of many helping by talking yeah. practices. And I do think that a lot of therapists do have that way that you're speaking to, Yannick. They, they can embody that eye-to-eye level. I do feel that specifically with psychedelics, because there is so much stigma, and let's, be fair, let's also like be very clear, like they don't really speak or teach psychedelic work in therapy school. So most therapists, unless they're user, users of psychedelics themselves and ongoing users, they do not necessarily have that educational background that will enable them to speak um, with the clients um, from an informed place. So, however, because they, there is a tendency to use the, the credential of, well, I'm a therapist and because I'm a therapist, then I know how to therapize you. I mean, I, I don't, you know, again, I feel like, you know, this may be like, like a, an unconscious type of mechanism, but because a lot of therapists are not, Uh, trained in psychedelics, but they still feel like they have an advantage over those that are not credentialed because they are credentialed. But if they don't have that experience, then, you know, I feel like they're kind of, there's kind of like a short uh, changing of the client in that way. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the coach's strengths again are um, people that go into integration coaching, you know, they go to it because they have an interest in it. It's the, you know, it's not like a default profession like therapy is like a default profession that can therapize people you know with according you know to the different um uh issues that the clients bring to the room but to be a psychedelic coach you have to have a very specific interest and probably experience in that regard so i feel like in that regard coaches already have the advantage over any therapist to begin with um and of course there are therapists that are seeing you know how important it is to come with an informed practice There are a lot of uh, educational courses available out there these days uh, by Psychedelics Today and Psychedelic Support and so many others that are um, offering courses for uh, clinicians to be trained on it. Um, And still, I feel like there is no better, there's there's not a replacement to actually having your own foot in the game Mm. and going through that psycho-spiritual journey yourself to really get to know it inside out. Like, it's it's just not the same. Yeah, it's all about perception, though, too, right? Because my family, I know that my parents would be more interested in working with a therapist because in their mind, that's a doctor and we are, you know, a more, that's kind of like what they would see as being the valuable degree, you know, they're very degree oriented. And so what would you see, where is the place for therapy and when would you recommend a therapist to do psychedelic work with a client instead of coaching? I think therapists are... Oh, absolutely. Therapists are a very important part of the chain. Uh, Let's not make any mistake about it. Um, I do feel like 
so with everything that's been said, I do feel like therapists in some ways are getting a bad rap. Right. Uh, again, there is a lot of stigma, especially in the spiritual and psychedelic community um, and a bias against them, sometimes against the medical model. Uh, however, the medical model is really important. Let's not forget mm-hmm. that the medical model, you know, there, there are conditions, medical conditions, psychiatric conditions um, that, you know, I know that a lot of, you know, some psychedelic people like to say that, oh, like every mental illness is really a shamanic illness and therefore it should be treated shamanically. And without getting into, you know, the spiritual, you know, aspects of it, um, psychiatric illness is real and it's devastating to the people who are suffering from it and to their families and communities. And they, can potentially benefit from shamanic modalities as well. However, at the same time, psychiatric care is really like the lifeline for a lot of these people. Okay. Pharmaceuticals are not bad. They can be really, really helpful for a lot of people at a certain stage of their lives. You know, people really benefit from this modality. I feel like currently there is also just a skewed perspective, as you say, Heather, like a lot of people like, yeah, look Mm -hmm. at doctors as like the authorities. And that's the issue that we have in the West is like people have forgotten. um, They're they're so far removed from their intuition and their spiritual connection. We're lacking spiritual connection to ourselves, to source that we have given away all of our power to the medical model. And Uh, However, it definitely has a place, specifically in integration coaching to your question. um, I feel like the clinician is very helpful uh, specifically for people who are suffering from trauma. Um, Also, for people who are really diagnosed with any type of mental health condition, I do train my coaches in my school to uh, recognize, uh, I mean, we are, I am psychologically informed, so it is a very important part of my work. I feel like process work is very important for integration therapy, meaning Yes, it's not just about moving forward. You do need to go backwards and, and you know, untangle the attachments and, and look at the family dynamics and all the, you know, the things that make us. Um, however, trauma, all the different uh, personality disorders, people that use medications, like they need clinical care. Mm-hmm. So I inform my coaches to what to look out for and then to get the clinician support as needed and to know when to refer out, which is very, mm-hmm. very important for the so, coach. So yeah. how, do you, how do you feel about coaches supporting people who are suffering with some of these conditions? It's difficult to draw the line, right? Because trauma is such a broad umbrella term for, from ranging from anything like having had a really difficult experience and now it's still kind of with you and you're making uh, certain behaviors uh, are based on having received a very harsh criticism at work, for example. Yeah. So, or a breakup, relationship breakup, and now you're finding it difficult trusting people. You know, this yeah. is not the kind of, complex trauma from childhood, sexual abuse, um, you know, the many forms of trauma don't even come close to that. So if you, if you look at trauma as something that overwhelms the system and now you're having some uh, challenges or challenging experiences from that, I think coaches can support some forms of trauma and helping people to move forward. But what I see a lot is coaches um, uh, specifically getting trained to help with complex trauma or addiction or PTSD. And I've seen a training program that specifically says coaching can be a substitute for people who can't find a therapist. And we're training Mm -hmm. coaches to support people with addiction. 
Um, and mm. addiction is one of those things that I, I would not want to touch as a coach because it's yeah. just, I'm, I don't, I, I don't think people like, I think coaching can support people, uh, with that in uh, parallel to therapy. Um, yeah. but, but there's lines and I seem to be drawing those lines much earlier than many other coaches. So I wonder, I wonder how you feel about that, given what you just said. Yeah, well, good on you. You know, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm feeling a constriction, contraction in my body hearing you speak about this program that is making such big claims. Mm -hmm. uh, I would personally, as a, as a business owner and as a person that trains coaches, I'm very wary of not making any claims like that, that coaches can replace uh, clinical support for people who suffer from uh, the mental illness of addiction. Um, which is rooted in trauma, as we know. Um, so I do think that all coaches should be trauma-informed. I think that's a really step, mm -hmm. great step in the right direction that a lot of schools are um, introducing that in their studies. Um, I think it really depends on the coach and how well they know themselves and their own boundaries and their own trainings and how humble enough they are able to, how humble enough are they to be able to, when a client approaches them for work, how humble enough are they able to, when they're able to view the client and see them for what they are and make a decision in the moment that is rooted in the client's well-being and not their own ego if to and make that decision if they're able to support the client or not. So I think for a lot of coaches who are just starting out, um, it will probably, I mean, typically most coaches, you know, because they want to get their footings and they, you know, they're building their practice. They make themselves available to a wide range of clients, uh, which means that they will be open to trying out working with all different types of clients. I mean, I was certainly like that. Um, and then along the way, I learned that actually, like I noticed that when I was allowing myself to work with people who stated very clearly that they had trauma, I noticed that it was impacting me. Um, as a coach, I wasn't able to show up to the sessions and provide the support that they needed. Uh, and I had to make a, an ethical decision that actually, you know what, as much as I feel like I can support them, I see that I cannot show up at my best. And I'm going to just make an executive decision to not open up my practice to this type of, uh, to, these type, to, the, to this type of uh, mental illness anymore and funnel them out. Um, so to answer your question, I think it really does begin and end with the coach's own inner understanding of who they are, what they do, what their zone of genius is, uh, and uh, what is the type of client that they want to help. Because the more specific that we get, actually, the better it is, not just for the clients, but for the business as well on the business aspect of it. Mm -hmm. So with all that being said, what is your individual screening process for clients and how do you decide who's a good partnership for you and, and for them? Yeah. So great question. Uh, so right now I'm at a stage of my, of my career where I am taking time off from doing one-on-one -on -one work. Um, I, when I opened my school, now I'm doing more group coaching, more group work. Um, and I learned that the way that I attract my clients, first of all, sorry, let me retract that. Spiritually speaking. Okay. If we go back to that, which I always go back to that. Um, Anything that you do in this world, any art that you create, including businesses, which is a form of an art as far as I'm concerned, right, begins with uh, a spiritual endeavor of the change that you want to see in the world and knowing your medicine and what people would potentially benefit from your medicine, okay, medicine like in the energetic frequency of it. 
um, I know as an artist and as a spiritual being um, and as a coach that not everyone will benefit from my medicine. Um, not, I'm not here to serve my medicine to everyone. Um, but the people that are, are, I have soul contracts with will definitely benefit from my medicine and we will, it will be mutually beneficial um, for them as well as for me as part of the soul contracts that we have between each other. To call in these people, the soul contract slash soulmate clients, right? Um, the way to do that is get crystal clear again on your medicine and your message and and, by, and now I'm giving you guys a, a business lesson here, right? Um, this goes to any type of business. <laughs> um, your soul, you, it all begins with your message and the way that you speak and the way that you speak on social media and your brand and um, the problems that you've articulated for your clients. And then the clearer that you get, the more distinct that you get, the more niche that you get, the more that the soulmate clients come forward and it repels everyone else. So, and this is again just something that I've learned over the years. Um, I've learned that you asked me about my screening process, Heather. Um, I always have some type of like a consultation, or if it's for, for my programs, it's an interview. Uh, they go through an application process where I has, ask very specific questions that will help me understand who these people are. Um, and if, if it could be a potentially good fit. And then when we move forward, then the first thing I look for is a desire to transform, right. Or an openness for deep transformation, because I know that that's what I, what I can provide. And that's what I'm interested in. Um, and also I look for like bigger thinking of, are they what I, what I call like living room integrators, which there's nothing wrong with that. Like if they just, you know, they, they kind of want to stay within, or are they like big thinkers that they want to make an impact on their community and they know that they want to go and start an integration circle where they're at, they're passionate about helping like people of their kind, marginalized groups. They want to go and serve and make that difference. So I look for that uh, visionary how do you, how types. Do you, how do you spot that? How do you spot if somebody has that kind of energy? Is there, um, you know, some people give their clients homework between the chemistry call and a follow-up call or, you know, how do you, how do you get that, check that kind of energy? Yeah. I just ask, you know, like, what are their thoughts about like, you know, social, social events in the world and who are the people that they want to help really is the question. Who are you? What are you passionate about? What's your background? It always begins with our own story. You know, I'm, I'm a person that grew up and I'm from Israel. I'm a white passing woman of color. I'm queer. I came from a house of, um, with very little money. Um, I'm an immigrant. I could, literally couldn't even work in the U.S. until five years ago. So I had a lot of uh, adversity in my life. And I've always been considered weird and an outcast by my family, by my community, I went to fucking Beverly Hills High School, okay? Just so you know. And then there's me, um, uh, this person with like this whole story. And I'm passionate about helping other weirdos who are creative, who have suffered adversity, but don't have the confidence in themselves to remember just how genius they are. Because that's the journey that I went through, okay? Mm -hmm. Bullying, low confidence, um, so again, I look for the creativity, the visionary and the way that they speak. Um, it doesn't mean that I don't support other people at all. Again, like right now, my, my, 
Um, the services that I offer are very limited. I only offer one-on-one consultations, one-time consultations, or joining my uh, my bigger programs. Um, so for the bigger programs, there is a more rigorous application process. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it were during the time that I was offering long-term one-on-one, it would definitely be, you know, just to see like how the conversation flows. Do if we have that, uh, that synergy, that energy, I look for people who, again, who are really looking to change and who are hell bent on making this change happen. Otherwise mm-hmm. it's not going to work. Right. So, so- How does your coaching skills come into that? Because I know you used to do a lot of one-to-one coaching work. Uh, I'm wondering what kind of school of thought have you trained from? uh, What what are the set of coaching skills that you would consider coaching skills? And how did you bring that in uh, into your one-to-one work and and group work? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for asking that. So um, again, my background is spiritual and depth psychology. That's what I studied in, in, in my master's. That's what I've always been interested in. Uh, Jungian, I have a, a certificate from the Jung Institute in LA, a train in Jungian psychology, um, transpersonal psychology, and shamanism. And I basically see integration coaching as transport. It is a form of transpersonal coaching. So... I've always could you, view, could you put a frame around transpersonal coaching for our listeners? Sure, absolutely. So uh, the word transpersonal uh, literally translates to beyond the self, uh, something that is outside of the self. So we're talking about uh, understanding that aside from the two people that are um, interacting in the therapeutic container, there are other forces at play that are unseen, but are definitely contributing to the dynamic as well as the, the, the process and are impacting the client's journey and therefore will impact their results. So the therapeutic alliance and transpersonal integration coaching, as I articulate it, um, that uh, it's a triangle, right? So there is the, the client, So if you just imagine, I know those of you who are listening, just imagine like a triangle right now, like a visual of a triangle. So one corner will be the client, another corner would be the coach, and a third corner would be spirit or the spiritual guide, the inner healer, the the plants, the psychedelics, um, the psychoactive substance as the third element. And in the middle of that, there's the relationship that is woven between the three. So the core of that uh, transpersonal coaching is the relationship that happens in the in between uh, these three entities and it becomes its own living and breathing entity. And it's through that particular vehicle um, of that shared consciousness because consciousness is fluid. Uh, we know that when people emerge, you know, their consciousness has merged as well. We mm-hmm. share and we bask in the collective pool of consciousness Um, I know that when I start working with clients, they will uh, show up for me in my psychedelic work. I will show up for them in their psychedelic work uh, and I will have an impact on them in their psychedelic work. It just happens. Mm -hmm. And uh, because of that energetic field there, there. So first of all, just recognizing that, that that's the healing vehicle is there and the healing happens transpersonally Um. With all the symbols, images, thoughts, energies, yes, mm-hmm. yeah, no, just kind of to yeah. to summarize. So basically, there's a there's a fundamental assumption there about a collective consciousness that is outside of the individual, and that people who come to you will share that assumption. 
uh, will they share it? They are not necessarily brushed up on it to begin with. Um, but people that are drawn to me typically are drawn to spiritual psychology. And then it's something that I teach about and I use those elements in my coaching framework. So I do incorporate the Jungian framework and in my integration um, practice. Uh, I do incorporate uh, Eastern philosophies, Buddhism, a lot of Buddhism, shamanism, shamanic tools. A lot of shamanic tools that are employed in ceremony are very applicable in the context of, of uh, integration coaching because the integration coach becomes some type of, uh, we don't call ourselves that and we don't definitely don't have the guru syndrome, but it is a type of shamanism. Mm-hmm. So in that so, triangle, the coach is like the mediator between the, all the the different entities. So that's a form of shamanism. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just, that sh- oh, go no, you go ahead. Okay, I was just you go. Yeah, I was just wondering uh, if a materialist uh, came uh, to you for coaching, uh, would they even would they even get to you, or would they? Well, I wonder how they would be like or whether you've you've been in that situation somebody who doesn't believe that there is a consciousness out there that is you know an external entity somebody who's very much about the individual and it's like oh i just want to sort my mind out kind of thing um and i have had clients like that who come to me for consultations you know and there is i can definitely assist them again the one-time consultations are very different because i know that i'm not necessarily going to have a long-term relationship um and other again heather you asked me about like the the uh Uh, the the interview process or how do I start working with clients? So a first time consultation for me really helps with that because it's completely informational. And if I have room in my practice for long-term clients and it's an opportunity for both of us to also check out each other um, and see if it's a good fit. But yeah, yeah. and I can still provide the information. And a lot of people like what you're describing, Yannick, do come to me for the one-time consultation because they do see that I have the credentials in psychology and they like that, you know, so, you know, I have the coaching and, you know, also the therapeutic background. So they, they like that. Um, Yeah. So my question was, you know, within the triangle, um, it sounds like you're providing solely integration work and not sitting with clients. Have you sat with them? What are your feelings on being a coach that does sitting or, you know, I guess just your thought process about. Yeah. I definitely yeah. don't sit with clients, uh, not to say that I didn't in the past. Um, it was through sitting with clients that I've developed my method, which is called the Psych Soul Method. I have an entire protocol for psychedelic therapy and integration that is six months long. And it takes the client through a journey, a very contained journey um, of self-discovery and healing and life redesign um, and self-ownership. Um, uh, so... I have done it and it's been very helpful for me to understand and get to, you know, articulate my philosophy. Um, I don't think that coaches necessarily need to do that. There are many opportunities right now to offer these services, depending of course, on where you live Uh, in the U S and California. um, Cannabis is legal. Anyone can offer pretty much anyone can offer psychedelic assisted psychotherapy through the use of cannabis because cannabis is, you know, even if people, they don't really consider it psychedelic, but it is a master plant. Um, It is completely psychedelic. If used in the right container, you can completely create a ceremony around it and people can go through really deep healing with that plant. Um, So... Um, there are ways to do it. And of course, you know, again, depending on where you live, people can go and cross the border and 
but not to say that I, I let me retract that also like a little bit of a cautionary word you need to be trained to do that. Don't think that just because you're a coach, then you can go and like sit with someone and offer them psychedelic assisted psychotherapy. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a similar skill set, but also has a lot very different. Um, you need to have really good boundaries. Uh, you need to uh, know how to um, master the art of again the the, energi- the energies that come up. You need to understand shadow work and shadow enactment and how it can happen in ceremony. Um, a lot of moving pieces that you need to be aware of. I know a lot of people jump into it because it's again, everyone wants to do this. It's fun. It's, 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 um, it's a serve. It's a deep form of service. People need this type of healing right now. And there aren't enough trained professionals. However, a person who's not properly trained can literally re-traumatize a person or traumatize Mm -hmm. them when they came to heal their trauma. Okay. So, it's not something I recommend for people to do without proper training. And why did you stop after having that experience? What about it for you? Didn't feel right or was it energetically aligned? Um, I just knew that uh, my, my genius and what I came here to do wasn't in that. Okay. It was, uh, I, I, you know, it was, it was a great opportunity for me to support some soulmate clients. Uh, again, mutually beneficial. I pretty much built my entire program while working with them. I just didn't call it a program back, back then. Mm-hmm. But everything that I've learned then turned to be, you know, the program that I offer now. So, yeah. So you've, uh, for years, uh, you ran a psychedelic coaching school. You still, it's still there. Uh, it's looking for a new home as far as I understand. But like, given what you just said in terms of what coaches need to do this kind of work, uh, I know we might need to distinguish between helping people prepare or integrate uh, psychedelic experiences. It also depends on who the client is and what they're looking for. Are they looking for or, you know, support with, you know, healing or are they looking to, you know, create insights or create a new business or take their business to the next level. Um, but what would you say, um, uh, differentiated as that, um, what would you say a coach needs in order to work in the psychedelic space? What are the essentials that a coach who wants to work in the psychedelic space support people around their psychedelic experiences? What do they absolutely need in oh, their yeah. skill back or in a backpack or in their toolkit? great question um number one personal experience and integration that's very very important so my coaching school which by the way it's it's still i i still um i still i'm still a part of it i still direct it and teach it um i know that earlier we were talking about the brand psychedelic school is one that we were pivoting uh but the program is definitely still something is still under my wing Uh, So I do have a coaching integration coaching certificate program. Uh, It's an 18 month long program. It's the probably the longest and probably the the most comprehensive one that's available. uh, At least that I'm aware of the reason that I opened the school is because like what you're describing or described earlier, a lot of people jumped into the space, jump into this integration space without having proper training. And when I, um, the more that I got into the work, you know, the coaching work, I noticed within myself how training was so crucial um, for me to be able to offer proper support for my clients, but not just the training, but my own integration experience, meaning not just a person that comes with a skill set. Um, and basically it's like knowledge, it's mere cognitive knowledge, but a person that has embodied the ways, the ways of integration and has had deep self-study with it over time. So my coaching program 
a big part of it is going through an integration journey as if you are the client. And I believe that um, through that internal knowledge uh, of getting really intimate with your own psyche and the, again, how integration can completely manifest in a different way when it hap- when it's a long-term thing versus one or two sessions after, you know, a session, which a lot of coaches offer that modality. Um, I'm more of a long-term integration person. I'm all about the process. I'm all about changing habits so they're sustainable. Um, and again, turning small insights into like big life changes. Um, so inner work and integration is crucial, number one. Uh, of course, professional training to know, understand about harm reduction, to know about the different substances, um, understanding how they work so you can um, help the client match the best substance for them because not all substances are created equal and people are definitely, you know, they're, they're very, uh, every person is an individual. So to understand all the information in psychedelics so you can individualize their journey and help them make the best matches for them, for them, what would be the best for them. Um, Spirituality is a big component as well, as mentioned, because it is transpersonal coaching. Um, And another thing that I teach in my program, which I feel is really important, um, aside from the skill sets and the methods and the packaging, how to know which clients you're meant to serve, um, to know, hone in on your passions and uh, pick an integration practice that's right for you. Um, so basically what I teach is creative integration. So all the coaches that walk out of my program, they walk out with their own niche integration practice. So yes, there are the tenets you said of preparation, navigation, integration, but what is beyond that? So, you know, we're all different. We all have specific gifts my gifts are in spiritual psychology and my integration practice revolves around that. But I've had clients um, who uh, created an integration practice around crafting a professional integration practice around the arts, arts and crafts uh, people that have done it around EFT and breath work, people that have integration and um, 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 they, they offer specifically for uh, shamanic retreats that they started to do people that have integration and meditation pra- uh, practices, professional practices, that is. Um, so understanding your niche, mm-hmm. I feel is very important. Um, and then beyond that um, is the business aspect of it. Okay. Which is, I feel is like the missing link for a lot of coaches is, you know, they mm-hmm. complete their certifications and training and then they're like ready to go. And they have, you know, they have no idea like how to actually go and meet their clients and serve them. Mm-hmm. And basically I found in the business aspect, which again, no one really talks about. It's like this big shadow thing in the psychedelic community. No one wants to talk about business, you know, Money. healing should be free. Psychedelics should be free. Right. And you heard that. Um, and we, yet we live in, you know, a world um, that is, currently has very specific ways, right? It's, it's playing a very specific game. Um, and even if we come, when we come with a business that is soul aligned, has a mission and purpose, we know that we want to serve, we're still living in a very specific matrix, right? Um, so the idea of the business aspect of my school is to take all that spiritual work and ground it in this reality that we're living in, 
Um, not to say that we're falling into the matrix and participating in it. On the contrary, it's more of uh, my way of learning how this matrix works, learning the rules of the mm-hmm. game. And as coaches, as consciousness light worker, light worker people, as servants, servings of medicines, servants of medicine, to learn the rules of the game and enter the game, but then make up your own rules as you go so you can change the game from the inside. Hmm. So for me, the business school, and when I say the business school, we know we talk about like sacred business, sacred economics, how to funnel money towards higher causes, um, of course, how to build your business, online marketing, strategy, um, the legal aspects of it, the financial side of it, um, products, how to take your, you know, coaches that walk out of business, out of coaching school, what do they typically serve? One-on-one sessions, right? one-on-one sessions or a package of coaching, but there are so many different products these days that an integration coach can build and create and not just, um, you know, like make um, um, be different from, you know, other people in the community in that way Mm -hmm. and create something very unique, but can turn it into a vehicle that's sustainable for them and is right for their community. Mm -hmm. Um, And also it's built to scale, meaning that it's not, you know, as soon as you take like the time out of the equation, you know, you can only see 10 clients, you know, let's say per week because of time. After you use up those 10 hours, you can scale your business. You can no longer grow. There's nowhere else for you to go. So as a visionary person that wants to make an impact, um, I teach my students how to think bigger and how to make an impact in their community, take time out of the equation and integrate their bigger vision into their community so they can really make a difference. Mm-hmm. So the business aspect, I feel, is like literally like the broader integration of what we're trying to yeah. do. And I'm I'm so glad you're doing that work because that's at least half of the coaches I work with. Uh, they need help building their business so they can actually start to see those clients or see more of those clients. The actual helping the clients part is not the biggest issue. You know, people get trained to be great coaches, but then they come out of coach training and that was certainly me. And I'm like, okay, I'm a, I'm a decent coach now. Like, uh, Oh, Oh, there's this whole other skill set that I need to learn that nobody's taught me. And then people work through their money stories and they work through uh, purpose and vision exercises and they figure out how do they, what do they want to, do. And then coaching becomes the tool that helps them on that path, right? Coaching is one exactly. approach to help people. And uh, I see that with a lot of coaches who kind of peak and now they have a full practice and they're like, well, what now? I I, yeah. I can do so much more. And this is where you yeah. build coaching skills into all sorts of other activities. And that seems to be the point exactly. where where you uh, you take over. Well, you nailed it right there. I mean, that's exactly it, um, is that they, like, I almost like feel that all these great coaching schools, you know, such brilliant minds walk of it out of them, but it's like, it's like a brilliant mind being wasted, right? Mm -hmm. Because as you said, it's a completely different skill set. I mean, this is exactly what I learned, you know, and the reason that I got into this was literally after I gave birth to my daughter, when time become really started becoming like a really like scarce resource for me. I started to think, well, how on earth can I, you know, like move out of like the one-on-one practice and, um, and, and, and think bigger. And at the time I, you know, I'm an artist, I'm a psychedelic artist. I have never had any business training ever. 
And I learned very quickly that having intentions, again, those spiritual intentions, that's one thing. And having this, the business skill sets is a whole other story. So for the last three years, I've basically been in like the hard knocks school, like business school that universe has put me through. I've learned so much. And, um, and I was able to, well, um, during the year of the pandemic, again, as a psychedelic artist with zero business back training back at the time, um, I scaled my integration practice to multi six figures during the pandemic, which is mind boggling to me. Cause again, I come from a very, like very like humble beginnings and a modest house and, um, but I feel like it's a skill set. And again, I feel like there are so many people that, you know, can, you know, want to make, create this change. You need to learn the rules of the game to be able to create that change. And then we're going to bring on the change way quicker than we even realize. What are some of the things that you would point new coaches to besides your program, of course, um, <laughs> to learn these skill sets and what resources are available for, for new yeah. coaches? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, for me, what has helped me is someone that literally, I'm like, I didn't even know like the word scale. Would you believe it? Like the word scale, I couldn't even articulate that word for the life of me. Um, but all I could think of was business coaching business. So I just did a lot of Googling around coaching businesses. Podcasts were immensely useful for me. I just became, uh, I found a lot of uh, online uh, business podcasts and I just became a podcast junkie. I learned in a lot that. Any in particular that um, helped you? Yes, absolutely. Uh, Brendan Bouchard uh, mm. is a really great business coach. Um, and fellow positive I, psychologist as well. I don't know if he calls himself that, but he definitely, yeah, he definitely like exercises that, that uh, philosophy. He's really bright. Um, Jenna Kutcher, who has the Gold Digger podcast. Um, those were the two main podcasts and the courses that I purchased at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I know that there are many others, many others. Um, yeah, but if there is like advice that I can give, okay. So again, for me, because I was like so uh, illiterate in that regard, I didn't even know what I was looking for. I just knew that I needed to change uh, the way that I do, that I offer, like I offer coaching. And what I would do now that I couldn't, I mean, at the time, like I did invest in a coach, you know, to the best of my ability when I was able to like explain what I wanted, I definitely went in and invested in a coach, but there were a lot of other pieces that I didn't know about, for example, strategy, right? So like if I could do something different now, you know, for the past two or three years, I've been like doing stuff and then correcting them and then going back and changing them or doing things different because I didn't know how to do them right from the get-go. So there was a lot of trial and error and a lot of wasted time and energy on doing things right. Um, so what I would do to for now is start working with a strategist as soon as you can literally like invest in hiring an online business strategist, even just for one day uh, they have uh, what they call VIP sessions and they will help you build or outline everything you need to know to build a profitable, scalable online business. I highly recommend doing that. I mean, I can't like say that enough. Um, That's my first tip. And then second tip is, I know this may sound counterintuitive, but actually hiring help, hiring uh, or outsourcing uh, for certain tasks. Uh, For example, a social media person, uh, someone that knows marketing and can help you build some type of a marketing avenue. And um, 
when you invest in that, even though it seems like an expense, which it is, actually that person will be able to generate so much more revenue for you that they not only pay for themselves, but they bring in more money for you to help grow your business. Um, And thirdly, and probably the most important aspect, which again, took me a very long time to learn, but I finally learned it in the mastermind that I'm in now, um, is always go back to your values before you begin anything. If you want to jump into like the online integration world, even just as a coach who wants to see one-on-one people, okay? It doesn't, I'm not even just talking like bigger, like business operations, but just like a one-on-one coach. What are your values as a person? It all begins and ends with the values of yourself as a, a being, The values are essentially like components of the soul medicine that I talked about earlier. What is your soul medicine made out of? What is the medicine that you're here to bring to the world? What's the flavor and color of the energy? And you can articulate it through values. What is important to you? What's your manifesto? What's your mission? Um, When you write those down and your vision is like, you know, in one sentence, you know, my vision is, um, my mission is I really want to help people who are, are, creatively weird to uh, come out of their shell and like help change the world. Because I know that these people are literally just geniuses in disguise. They just, you know, they've, they've just been oppressed by society. Mm. Um, So I I want to ignite collective change through igniting uh, psychic creativity. Um, That's, that's what I want to do. So values, your mission, investing in a strategist and outsourcing. Great answer. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Um, Heather, if you, can you take it back to the technical part uh, as uh, yeah. for a moment? Um, when you listed what a coach needs in order to to do this work, um, if we see coaching on like a spectrum between facilitative and instructive, you know, I, I appreciate coaching is a large umbrella term for lots of different kind of practices. Uh, you mm-hmm. said what's important is that uh, you have n- certain knowledge about how certain substances work, for example, mm-hmm. or you have done your own work, you've done your own integration. Uh, yeah. Where would you position your Uh, coaching or style or what you think uh, psychedelic coaching is on that kind of spectrum because if we if it's if the more instructive it is or the more it has a consulting or a mentoring element to the work the more knowledge we need right and i would say that the more facilitative we are the less personal knowledge we need we're just there to hold space for somebody to think and get insights and learn so i wonder like uh, yeah i challenge everybody on that because the most one of the most um, uh, often things here i hear say is you need your own psychedelic experiences and while i think that's helpful i also think some of that could potentially be in the way and if you take a phenomenological stance on that you know i don't need to have been a ceo in insurance in order to work with a ceo in insurance i don't need to have been a ceo ever in order to hold space for somebody to figure some things out and uh Uh, you know, I have had my experiences, but if I didn't have had any experiences, I would like to believe that I could hold a very powerful space for somebody to integrate without, you know, knowing what my experience was. Yeah. Well, this is the question of all questions, right? Like, do, does a pilot need a, uh, does a pilot need a license to fly? Does a meditation teacher need meditation experience to be able to guide other people into their journey? Um, psychedelics are multidimensional they're visceral they're experiential they're energetic they're energy medicine 
and to really learn, I feel, the skill set of a visceral, experiential, energetic experience, my personal take is that the person or the teacher should have that visceral, energetic, personal experience, uh, specifically with integration. It's the same thing. I do not feel like it's a skill set that can be learned. Informationally, it can be learned. You can take, you know, read the information, study it, take a test and pass the exam. Does it make you an expert? No, it does not. Because we're talking about psychic introspection. Um, therapists, you know, therapists are required to uh, undergo a rigorous training process of, I think, you know, depending on the, the level, but in the U.S., two or 3,000 hours of internship of sitting in the room with a client so they can experience what it's like to sit in the room and practice observing the power dynamics, observing the interplays, observing transference and countertransference, observing their own projections. And then there's no way to work on those or understand those without actually being there. Hmm. Uh, yeah, but a, so, a therapist who works with psychosis is not required to have been psychotic. Um, that is correct. And they know the uh, criteria. And then at the same time, I challenge you to look and see, like, is our mental uh, medical system, do you feel like it's holistic and truly understands the clients? Or does it misdiagnose and label people according to criteria? And they don't understand the root causes of the issues. Um, so uh, it might I do help to have had a psychotic episode and then work with clients based on that experience. Yeah. I think it forms a bond. Um, I, but do we help yeah. people better? You know, if we have gone through bereavement, are we a better bereavement counselor, therapist or coach on the basis I, of that experience? I personally belong to, I know that there are different opinions. My take on it is that we do make better um, providers when we have our own personal experience because we can speak um, again, not as, you, as we talked about earlier from the authoritative, authoritative place of I know this because I studied this. But I, I'm here with you because I'm on the exact same path and I've been where you are. I'm just maybe a few, you know, a few steps, you know, ahead of you in that tunnel, but I've totally been there and here's what has helped me. Mm -hmm. So I, I belong to the camp of, yes, you need experience and, and credentials and, you know, all that Being at the end of the day. the client so the client feels safe yeah. and secure and, and understands, yeah, that they're held. How can you teach yeah. shamanism? Let me ask you this. How can you teach yeah. shamanism or like facilitate ayahuasca without ever drinking ayahuasca? Oh, yeah. I think that's very, okay. very different because there you're teaching, you're facilitating, you're not holding space for somebody, you know, to, to learn and figure some stuff out. Like uh, if I work with a client, I don't need to have been on their path in order to hold space for them to figure their path out. You know, I need to be trained in asking them questions to go a level deeper, to challenge certain assumptions, to yeah. help them listen to their own story as they hear themselves speak and me reflecting that back. You know, the kind yeah. of that's where I think the core coaching skills are. Yeah. And I think with again, with transpersonal coaching, I feel like it's very different from other aspects of life coaching where, again, it's more skill set. Transpersonal mm -hmm. is, again, beyond the self you want to study from someone who has that deep psychic introspection, I feel. Otherwise, it's it's just information. And we know that psychedelic space is anything but information. It's informative, but it's not just that. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, thank you. 
I, I like <laughs> it's one of the most interesting conversations for me that you know at because to what extent are we uh, are we required to know stuff and then pass on that knowledge you know uh, to what extent is it helpful for the client to receive some of the knowledge from the coach rather than you know being held space for to come up with their own knowledge you know and that's that's i find that so fascinating because the i think the personally i think the more powerful knowledge comes out of that person figuring things out what they believe in and me oh, yeah. me holding that space for them rather than me sharing certain things because i i don't think i can ever claim that i have a the same experience as somebody else you know even no, if there's a lot will. of parallels That is very true. And uh, I think at the end of the day, we are saying the same things. I think we are able, at the end of the day, if you're interested in holding space for the client to figure it out, you will be able to hold much deeper space and much more solid space mm -hmm. from a person that has explored that space themselves. Mm -hmm. Having that knowledge doesn't mean that you have to pass on what you've been through. It's just that you're able to be more present in it. Because if the client articulates something to you about, again, something is novel or is different or is ineffable about psychedelics and you don't you know it's so hard to describe you don't have even have the language to de describe these spaces what we only thing that we have is feeling yeah. right so if you haven't had the feeling how will you be able to understand what the client is describing you know yeah. and uh and is it going to be helpful or in the way when you say i know what you mean <laughs> You know, I've, I've, I don't know. I yeah. feel like it's very Because valid. I, it's I mean, again, yeah, I think, I think people are, you know, I think uh, there's a certain level of authenticity that comes through um, when people have been there. I don't know. When mm. the, there's a camaraderie that I feel that comes out and again, a level of connection of uh, compadres of, yeah, I know what you mean. I totally know what you mean. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that I will share any more information, but like, I get it. And yeah, this person gets it because they've been there. Um, and, you know, in the business world, we call it, you know, do you want to work with an expert reporter or a storyteller, like a person that actually has been there? And there are a lot of expert mm -hmm. reporters out there these days. A lot of like podcast hosts, teachers, art, you know, artists, coaches that don't have a lot of psychedelic experience. And it shows. Yeah. It doesn't mean that they can't do good work. They do good work in their own way. Right. Yeah. Um, but again, it all boils down to the change that you want to see in the world and the values. So, yeah. yeah. Hey, we have a lot more questions on the list, but Heather, I think it might Ooh. be time to move into yeah. uh, <laughs> the quick fire questions. <laughs> yes. So we, have, we have a set of quick fire questions that um, okay. you can give a few words, answers, you can do longer, whatever you like. Um, but one of the first ones is what are some of the books or people that really influenced you um, or had an impact on your work? Books or people? Or people, yeah, that you'd recommend for other people to look into. Okay. Number one, Carl Jung. Yes. Important, yeah. Um, yes, absolutely. Uh, number two, the book uh, Psychedelic Psychotherapy by R. Coleman, uh, which is an absolute must for, it's like the go-to book that I recommend to every client on every level. I feel like it's very uh, approachable and an easy read, way more than the Psychedelic Explorers Guide that everyone is, uh, is recommending. Um, because I'm Jungian, I also really love the book Confrontations with the Unconscious by Scott Hill. Uh, it talks about uh, marrying the concepts of uh, Jungian psychology, depth psychology with the psychedelic world. Um, I will also recommend my own book that will be out next year. It's called The Psyched Soul Method. 
Hey. Uh, talks about my six month. Uh, thank you. Integration <laughs> protocol. Um, you know, we don't have a lot of books about integration out there yet. Um, uh, so that is kind of my manifesto. And what other resources? There's a really great book that I read recently. It doesn't talk about integration at all, um, but I feel like it's um, it's one of those books that every person who's on a path of self-development slash entrepreneurship or just wants to show better in the world um, should read. It's called Essentialism. Uh, I think it's by Greg Mc, McOwen, I think is the last name. Um, I love that book. Just recently <laughs> finished it. Oh, and also there's a great book, Existential Kink. Highly recommended. Existential I Kink? Books. Yeah, yeah. Kink? Uh, yes, her name I is... I feel I should know that. <laughs> yeah, you should. It's totally an integration book. It does talk about depth psychology. Um, it's a good way to look at do, sh- do shadow work, and it's by Carolyn Elliott. Existential Kink. Thank you. Yeah. Right. Thank you. Uh, next one. What do you think about regulation? Uh, do we need more regulation in this space? Is it in the way of people who don't perhaps tick those kind of boxes? Um, what do you think? I, I'm, uh, I'm all for decriminalization. Um, however, I do think the professional field needs more regulation. So we, I, I, I believe in equality for all and we need to be able to teach people Uh, or assist them in providing them sound ethical information. The only way that we can provide sound ethical information and support is by having some type, some type of regulation. It doesn't mean that it has to be like a licensure board, like psychologists and clinicians have, but some type of an association uh, or a council or an elder uh, mentorship council where uh, new uh, integration coaches, facilitators can Uh, can approach and, and get support and mm. guidance from. So some type of a community regulation mechanism for sure. Uh, maybe uh, a psychedelic arm of the ICF might be interesting. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> cool. maybe, yeah, yeah. Uh, Go for it. Break, breaking confidentiality, tell us about your most interesting client or the person you've worked with in the coaching world. Hmm. Uh, Most interesting. In what regard? Is there anything specific? Is there one that sticks out to you that is, was really special for you maybe or um, that you'll just always kind of remember? Maybe you learned a lot from that experience. I have a lot of them, to be honest. Um, uh, but yeah, I will share about a client uh, that I worked with long-term uh, for over a year, um, a Pakistani client someone from Pakistan. Um, and it was interesting. We actually like, we, he, he approached me, you know, he, he contacted me because he did have a lot of intentions to use psychedelics to help his anxiety and depression and, and man, manage his life. Um, but so many things happened. So many things happened over the course of uh, the year that uh, at the end of it, he, he didn't even try. He, I think maybe he microdosed a couple of times and that was it. So even though we went in with all the intentions of setting a psychedelic container and I used a lot of my integration methodology um, and practices with this client, um, psychedelics weren't even, weren't even a part of it, but we had such a good bond and, uh, and, and 
I was just so impressed that a person from, you know, from that region of the world would invest so much money, right, in American standards, in themselves, and showing up week after week with all the hardships that they had. And by the end of the year, when, when we concluded, um, as he attested, like, the, we're a completely different person, um, and their lives just completely changed. And I just felt like I was able to send him off to to an up leveled was able to was privileged enough to like be witnessing his up leveling. So that was really special to me. Mm, nice. Thank you. Yeah. Um, somebody asks you about the differences between coaching and therapy. What do you say? Uh, what do I say? Uh, coaching can be the best of both worlds. Um, and therapy can be the best of both worlds as well. At the end of the day, it depends on the facilitator. Um, a therapist can be a coach and a coach can to a degree also be a therapist. I feel like they're both necessary and needed uh, depending on where the client is at and what the client needs. Mm-hmm. Have you ever had to stop working with a client? Have I ever had to what? Stop, stop working, working with, a with a client? Uh, yes, absolutely. Um Yes, one one particular one particular event that I remember um, was with a client with whom I had a really good connection. Um, she was getting ready to do, or they were getting ready to do um, uh, a psychedelic therapy session with an, with another with a facilitator. They had something set up. They had a lot of things going on. So things were kind of on a timeline. Things didn't work out with this facilitator. Then I try to, you know, support them and finding another, um, another form of support. And then somehow it turned to be that I was going to be the one that was going to help her because she was on such a, again, that timeline crunch and something just needed to happen for her. And I really wanted to help her because again, I felt like a deep connection with her, um, and at the time I didn't want to, I just wanted to do everything I could to support her in her journey. And we were getting ready to do the session the next day. And the night before, even though we'd already met that day, we'd met the day before for preparation. She came to me like ready to pay for the session. And I, I, I said, you know, why don't you just keep it until like tomorrow until we meet and, and we'll take it from there. And that whole evening, I felt very uneasy about sitting with her. Um, I couldn't put my finger on it, but just something felt off for me. I felt very confident in my, in my skill set. I knew that I could help her. She was a good client, but I still felt off. So um, I contacted my mentor, one of my teachers, who's a shamanic facilitator that I trust had a long conversation with him and he basically in that, you know, like held space for me. And I was able through uh, having that, you know, reflective soundboard that I trust to uncover uh, that actually, like, I really don't want to hold, you know, I feel like every time I hold space for someone by sitting, I completely like, it just takes so much energy that I have no more energy left to invest in my integration practice, which that's what, you know, I'm not here to help people sit. I'm here to help help people integrate. That's, that's why I'm here. Um, so it was like a very clear articulation. And then like that next morning when she was supposed to come over, like I actually said, you know, I, I texted them, the client and said, you know what, I'm so sorry, but 
I don't feel like that. I know that I will not be able to support you and hold space for you today in the way that you need space for. I know it's disappointing. I basically had to break her heart um, mm. out of like my own integrity to like, I know that this is not going to be right. And that will leak into the, the, her experience. And then it turned out that she went and did it on her own and she had a really positive and great experience and everything was fine. And for me, it was the last time I just knew that I'm not going to sit with anyone anymore ever again. And literally then is when I opened my school just because people started asking me and everything exploded. Wow. So it was like a soul aligned decision that had consequences at the moment and then also long-term consequences. So, yeah. Wow. Very significant client indeed. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Right. Uh, last one, and uh, feel free to maybe uh, take a moment if you need to. Uh, if you could take over the screen of uh, any person or group of people, including the whole world, um, what would your message to them be? Wow. Yeah. You basically <laughs> have a have a minute, take over everybody's screen, or one person's or group of people, or just, you know... Uh, Get a message into consciousness and take over people's dreams. You know, not everybody has a screen in this world. Um, but if you have a message, to whom would that message be? And what would you say? Wow. So my message is uh, for all creative visionaries who are here to make an impact. Uh, and even if you think you're weird or you were shamed or you're told that you're not good enough or that your opinion doesn't count or you were bullied or belittled and have seen so much adversity that you forgot your, your truth. I'm here to remind you that you are here to revive your soul's artistic genius, that you are here to unleash your medicine and magic and unlock your abundance codes and uplevel humanity and that you're not here to work. Okay. You're not here to do any work. You're already perfect. You're here to have fun and play and you will hear it to have fun and play and be abundant just by being authentic and being who you are and daring to think bigger, daring to release all the stories that you've been told and remember how powerful you are and how generous you are and that everything is possible for you. Yeah. Everything. <laughs> everything. Wow. Yeah. It came straight and, out of the heart. <laughs> and I invite you to, if I may, okay, to finish off the transmission. Um, I invite you to step into your power and to reimagine your relationship with money as a sacred tool that can change not only your life, but uh, everyone else's life and the world for the better. Awesome. Brilliant. Yeah, Chiri, thank you. you so much. Where can people find you if they wanted to find out more about you, about the work that you're doing, if somebody wanted to step into your circle uh, in some way or another? Uh, where do people go? Yeah, thank you. Um, Instagram at the.psych.soul. Uh, my website, psychedsoul.com. Um, we're reopening the doors to uh, my integration and uh, soulpreneurship play school, uh, an 18-month program for people who are, again, looking to reclaim their truth and become uh, the abundance channels and change the fuck out of this world. Uh, we're opening the doors again next month, um, and I invite you guys to apply if it feels in alignment for you uh, to see if we're all soulmate clients. 
Uh, so find me on my website or social media. And yeah, I really look forward to connecting with you. Psyched Souls, Tribe Psyche Not. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you, Shiris. Thank you so much. Thank you all. You guys are doing brilliant work. Thank you.